Hello, listener, and welcome to the very latest edition of Michigan Soccer Central. How's it going? My name is Robert Kerr, your loyal host with you each and every week, and this is Michigan Soccer Central Podcast, your source for all things Michigan soccer, whether it be playing, coaching, getting recruited, getting scouted, and for a little bit of analysis on what goes into that and education. Basically, you're all around source for the sport in the state. This weekend, the weekend of, what is it, uh, June 13th weekend, uh, NISA was off, but the USL League 2 Great Lakes Division evened out to make that uh, division very, very close. And we'll talk about the results that led to a wide open race in the PDL slash USL League 2 division here locally. The Detroit City FC first team and the UWS lost 2-1 to one to Corktown. Possible rivalry forming between uh, the women there in the heart of Detroit. And also get a shout out to the 16 girls soccer tournament regional champs. I'll give them to you right off the bat. Congratulations. In Region 1, we got Forest Hills Central, Heartland, Ann Arbor Skyline, and right around the corner from me, Troy Athens. Division 2, we had Byron Center, Divine Child, Marion, and Spring Lake uh, topping there. Division 3, Christian or Unity Christian, Detroit Country Day, Williamston, and Boyne City. And in Division 4, Calvin Christian, Shrine, Bad Axe, and North Muskegon. So congratulations to all those squads and good luck moving forward. And to help me uh, run down all the scores and all the divisions of Summer Ball, I've got a couple helpers with me. First of all, I've got uh, our uh, MSC Pro Scout on staff <laughs> or contributor at the very least. We got Brooks Lambert. How you doing this evening, Brooks? I'm good, Rob. Just, uh, you know, keeping up with the soccer and um, watching the pro game. You know, took a took a weekend off from the some of the other stuff. But, you know, I kept up with everything on Twitter and whatnot. So, but uh, it's good. We're getting there. It's almost, you know, we're getting close to finishing the USL2 season. So it should be interesting. And that's a big reason why we're doing this cast is because there's a whole lot of Twitter and a whole lot of Michigan soccer to try to collect and keep up with. So we're here to try to put it in one place for everybody and to fill us in on uh, one of the games around the state and fill us in what's going on with uh, uh, emerging into uh, sports broadcasting, making his Michigan Soccer Central debut, uh, Lansing Commons play-by-play announcer. Please say hello to Luca Maloney. How you doing, Luca? Hey, Robert. Thank you for having me on here. It's a pleasure to make my MSC podcast debut. And you are a student at MSU as well, so we'll we'll get into uh, what's going on with MSU journalism and kind of uh, the steps you've taken already to uh, to get your voice uh, uh, as a voice of a club already. So you're doing MSU stuff this year, and then um, you've been alongside in the press box for Lansing Common. And so as we go through the scores, why don't we start with uh, the league that you're covering? The Midwest Premier League has been Pretty exciting so far. Lots of goals, a lot of uh, in-state uh, teams, so a lot of local rivalries, lots of teams for us to uh, pay attention to. So today, where were you at? Where were you at around the grounds then? 
So I was at the Lansing Comet FC game covering the game against Inter Detroit. It's Lansing Common's third game in the Premier League and turned into a 4-0 victory for them. So uh, how has the process been? I know uh, I know Detroit City and N- Nisa fans have been lamenting streams and not happening. And when you do get them, bandwidth is an issue. How has that gone for you guys so far on that side of things? It's been great. Uh, our producer, Scott Oberlander, has done an excellent job at getting the video footage and getting the live stream on YouTube as well as having audio and photo coverage. It's been a great production behind the scenes and getting live streams ready. And honestly, I think we have some of the best technical work with production values in, in the state. And with all the different things, to be a, a startup soccer team, you got to not only uh, put the, the, you know, the players on the field, get the games operations executed, you have, uh, you know, you got to sell clothes, you got to market it to the public. And then you also have to be television producers. Uh, have you uh, any tech stuff in your past, or are you just the, have the beautiful voice? Not just the, with the voice, but I've had a little bit of experience producing and doing behind the scenes with podcasts, video production, and really just writing in general. A lot of my strengths come with writing and broadcasting for specifically soccer. And I've been able to contribute a lot alongside my broadcasting partner, Cameron McLaren. We, I think we've both done an amazing job so far at covering this team. We'll run through some of the other Midwest Premier League scores. Uh, Saturday, we had a nil-nil draw between the West Michigan Bearings and Inter Detroit. Later on the same day, Livonia City FC dropped an 0-4 result to BIH Grand Rapids. Grand Rapids, another squad coming across and getting a win on this side of the state. Uh, LK St. Clair had a tough outing earlier on Sunday afternoon, dropping a 2-0 to the very same BIH Grand Rapids. A lot of back-to-back games here in this division as Lansing Common placed uh, that 4-0 tally against Inter Detroit, who'd played this day before. And I know at least a couple players played back-to-back days playing on Saturday and Sunday. It's hard to say... uh, uh, where the Midwest Premier League is balancing out right now because, uh, like I said, lots of teams playing back-to-back games, and uh, I think some players are getting a bit stretched and some teams are getting a bit stretched playing those games. That doesn't always lead to uh, the best quality, unfortunately. What do you think the biggest drop-off is, Brooks, when you see uh, teams playing uh, games so close to each other like that? Uh, I mean, the biggest thing for me is when, I mean, you typically see it a lot in the college season, like I think I've mentioned here before, is just, you know, if you don't have a deep, especially in the summertime, you don't have a deep roster where you can kind of rotate a lot of guys, you know, you're playing back-to-back days. I mean, it's just tough on the legs. I mean, you know, how do you, you know, how do you, uh, you know, how, how do you, you know, how do you compensate for that? You know, and like I said, you got to have a, a deep roster. You got to have guys that, you you know, you can fill in that can, can do the job and, you know, cause you're out to win the league, right? You're out to get results. And, you know, when you can't, get results with maybe some of the guys you have on the back end of your roster or, you know, or a little bit ways down your roster. Uh, you know, it's always tough. So, you know, if you're playing guys, starters and back-to-back games, I mean, legs are going to go, you got to go to the bench early and, uh, you know, it's not easy to, to squeak out results at times. So, um, you know, it's not ideal, but unfortunately that's just how things are scheduled sometimes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, uh, nature of the beast, but, You'd like to see uh, 
what the teams would be like if they're fresher. I mean, I guess with the way uh, the system is set up, we can't get that. Or it's very, very difficult to get that uh, schedule balance. Um, I guess we'll switch over to uh, let's go with uh, the ladies' side. UWS action. We had a few games this weekend. Saturday night, Muskegon Risers dropped a 5-1 result to Lansing United. Their uh, tough season continues in the uh, on the west side of the state. Like I said earlier, Detroit City FC's women fall to Corktown AFC. And uh, Dan on uh, the, the main Michigan Soccer Central Twitter account pointing out that a little subtlety that Corktown does not like to uh, reference Detroit City by name in uh, their social media accounts, which is uh, something worth noting, I'd say. It would be pretty cool if uh, there was a, a genuine uh, uh, in-city rivalry there. Yes, I agree. It'd be nice to have a rivalry on the women's side, you know, get, get some rivalries going on the women's side, you know, especially between Corktown and DCFC. That'd be, that'd be a good one. And then obviously there's a few clubs on the West side of the state. And then you have Lansing United, you know, which is in the central part of the state. So be good for the women's side to kind of get this going because there are, there are some really good women's soccer players and soccer, you know, teams, clubs, colleges in the state of Michigan. So, um, you know, it'd be good to see that besides just on the men's side. That's for sure. I'm almost seeing the meme of uh, in that, that first game between DCFC and Corktown and when they celebrated with the uh, the baseball celebration. <laughs> that, that's uh, like what the, 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 you know, the the whiteboard material. They, yes. they probably pinned that one up. They probably didn't appreciate seeing that one. So may, maybe that added some fuel to uh, the tank in uh, Corktown. Officially, the biggest scoreline uh, of the weekend is in UWS, same division, Midwest United FC, uh, 12, uh, Indiana Elite nil. And uh, the more we do these shows, uh, Brooks, and uh, the, these results that we're seeing, I think there's maybe, ho- maybe uh, hopefully a redistribution of a couple teams between UWS and UWS 2. Because mm-hmm. it seems like maybe there's a couple that need to get shifted around between those two levels. Yeah, and that's the tough part is, uh, so I was talking to a while back, Kevin Oakley, who runs the Legends, R- Legends UWS, UWS2, and he he's also a coach there, Michigan Legends. And, you know, he made a great point. He's like, hey, like, listen, like, we were, U- we were UWS, UWS for a few years, you know, they moved us down to UWS, UWS, UWS two, and that's fine, you know, because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's good. To, he wants the, you know, the club girls to come out and watch, you know, those girls play. And he wants some of the, you know, high school girls to play in that squad as, as well as some of the girls that, you know, went to college and played for legends and want to come back and play. So, you know, you got to kind of figure out where do you fit? Everyone can't be at the top of the food chain in the first division. You got to figure out where you fall where you are in the development scale and, you know, you just got to play, you know, you know, figure out where you are from there. And then maybe in a few years you want to move up, then sure. You know, but you know, maybe there are a few teams in the UWS that need to move down, you know, just because they're not putting up much of a competition or the staffs they have just aren't getting the players that they need, or they can't get the players they need because they don't have the connections. So, you know, that's the tough part with some of these summer teams and you just got to figure out where you fall. So 
We'll shift over to um, UPSL action. Why not? We'll spin a wheel. We'll, we'll roll down uh, UPSL alley. Thundercats SC0, Grand Haven Admirals 5. Big result for those guys out there. Five goals for anybody is uh, <laughs> a, a party. But uh, cheers to Cody Harrell. And if you guys didn't catch last week's episode, we actually spoke with founder and club president of Grand Haven Admirals, Cody. So tip of the hat to him for getting back to winning ways. He had to <laughs> sit and talk to me about, uh, I think his team had three draws coming into our interview. So uh, glad he got back on track with his club. Uh, Saturday in UPSL, Thundercats SC 2, Detroit Union FC 3. Uh, and then earlier on this afternoon, Cedars FC 2 and Global Rising 1. And then so the, 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 the division in Michigan club soccer that uh, I'm most closely following because uh, my local affiliations with Oakland County FC of USL League 2 this is the division that it has been captivating me the most, and I think if there's a for the for the niche of us who are uh, Michigan League club team neutrals, hopefully it's uh, grabbing your ear too because uh, it is a division that is got nine teams and they are all separated. I'd say the top seven are. Uh, let me how, how do I explain this? So Kalamazoo is in first, and down to OCFC in fifth is a five-point difference. And so with all the, 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 the results today, it makes it even closer. Like So this weekend really flattened it all out. So to start off the weekend on Friday night, Kalamazoo FC 3, the Dayton Dutch Lions nil. So that put Kalamazoo seemingly clear through at the top and buries the... Uh, the Dutch Lions at the cellar, who are unfortunately 0 and 7 on the season at the top of the heap. Kalamazoo, five wins, one draw, and one loss. But one of those draws came earlier this afternoon when they, uh, what did they come back? They scored two goals. Oh man, it's a 2 2 draw earlier this afternoon between Toledo Villa and Kalamazoo. And then Fort Wayne and Grand Rapids also tied. So the top teams tied, as well as the Flint City Bucks won Kings Hammer FC 2, a result yesterday which uh, put smiles on the face of the Oakland County FC players and fans because uh, they were 2-2-2 two, two, and two entering their game in, away in South Bend. We went out to South Bend. Both teams, both South Bend Lions and Oakland County FC, 500 record. You know, winner of that game, you know, stays in the hunt at the top of the USL League 2 Great Lakes Division. The loser of that game, or even if they draw, you'd think that the uh, their, uh, their fingertips or their reach of the top of the division kind of slips away there. But Oakland County, on a very, very, very hot day, uh, it was a 5 o'clock kickoff in uh, South Bend. So it was a concrete stadium with turf. It was... A frying pan of a game and uh ocfc was down a number of creative midfield players we were without four of them through uh unavailability and suspension um of course dimitri about that that red card we talked about at length last week his suspension was uh reduced from two games to one for the record so he was out there and so it was really a 
a, a, a block defense trying to find Mike Melorani up front. And it was tough trucking for most of the game. OCFC's center backs did really, really well. Uh, uh, the center backs did amazing well, Chase and uh, Edwards. Oh, man, I can't believe I'm not remembering our center back partner's name at this moment. But they played in incredibly well. Max Loria and goal did a great, great job. But like I said, we rode our luck. A couple off the post, a couple close offside chances, and then it got to the point where we'd just take a lucky break at the end of the game. Free kick, 88th minute. I ran all the way down to the opposite end of the field. It gets deflected corner. So we got like a 89th minute corner. And Chase Insko gets man of the match for prodding home a corner kick to get the uh, steal the road points for Oakland County FC and keep the season alive. It, it really was a great moment on the road and really unexpected. It was pretty wild. Like we, the, the, like this division evening out, um, just every single result changes positions on the, the table in the Great Lakes division. Because before that, we were thinking, oh, maybe, you know, maybe this is going to be a mid-table sort of season. But the possibility remains to to climb up. The Bucks surprisingly fell later on Saturday night to King's Hammer, which are looking better and better every single game. And they, they're impressive. But the Bucks still have a game in hand. So if County were to climb up, they would have to, to, to overtake the Bucks. But they're, they're in a strong position near the top of the table with um, a game in hand. Um, I don't know if, uh, yeah, Jalen uh, Shannon Edwards. So, yeah, Chase Insko and uh, Jalen Shannon at the center of the defense for uh, County were fantastic. And I can't say enough about Max Loria. Um, some guys were surprised. He went to Division three school, right, uh, Brooks? Yeah. Max? And he... Mm-hmm. And he's been absolutely solid since uh, stepping in at the back. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't say much more of just that being a, a, a road grind because there's been games where County has been far better team and not gotten the result and then or dropped to a draw. And then so I guess it's like a, a karma or a, a soccer gods uh, returning the favor by by not playing uh, at the best, but still coming away with three points. Oh yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was with Max, you know, it's just funny. You just kind of just speaking on summer soccer terms and when players come in, it's kind of, you kind of find guys sometimes at, you know, division two, three NAIA, you know, lower division one teams that just come into a summer team and they just kind of feel right at home. And, you know, they, they take a spot from a D one kid and they kind of ride it now and have a good summer. And, and you're kind of wondering why is the kid playing D three or NAIA or D two? And, you know, it's kind of when I went to Fort Wayne against Bucks last week. I mean, I mean, Fort Wayne has, you know, Indiana Tech plays in NAI. And, you know, I, I coached against someone that was at Lawrence Tech University. And, you know, uh, you know, for, uh, Indiana Tech is, is a good squad. And they have some good players contributing for Fort Wayne. And Fort Wayne has added some guys of recent, um, Brett, B, Brett Beebe from IU and, and, you know, some other guys, some other D1 players. And, Obviously, South Bend had a few of the guys that won a national championship with Marshall. Um, you know, some some came off the bench against OCFC, and then 
uh, you know, Bucks at, you know, them at adding a few guys here and there and then for uh, King Sam adding a few guys as well. So kind of like we talked about, uh, Robert, just, you know, you never know how things are going to turn sometimes in these summer seasons because guys leave to go trial, they get injured. So they, they call it quits. Uh, some college coaches have kind of a cutoff time for, Hey, you can play until July. So-and-so then you're done, you rest, then you come back for, you know, the, uh, for practice in the fall season. So, um, it's always interesting time summer soccer, but, uh, it, this is looking out, this is looking to be a very good, uh, finish to the Great Lakes division compared to the Heartland division on the other side where the Des Moines menace are just, you know, crushing everyone besides Chicago FC United in second place there. But, um, it's going to be interesting, this Great Lakes division, because we, like you said, you got seven or eight teams that are still involved and, you know, things can go a certain way depending on what weekend it is. So, yeah, because I mean, uh, with seven games played by most teams, uh, so Kalamazoo's played seven with 16 points in second, Kings Hammer with 14 points, and Toledo, who's played a game more on 12, and then the Bucks, who've only played six on 11, and then County uh, with seven games played and 11 uh, points secured. And then with that three points, we get separation from South Bend, who we were even with all square. And so they're down in eighth. So so five points between fifth and first. And uh, yeah, a week. So a week of results could uh, turn everything on its head. Of course, I feel like uh, Bucks are just sitting there poised to go on a run. I mean, that's what you'd believe, you know, looking through history. Uh, they're they're right in the mix, having played a game less. So, if history repeats itself like it tends to do, um, the Bucks are poised to go for a run. So, so we'll see. At the beginning of the season, I know County was uh, looking to stay in the mix. We have back to back games in the last or uh, two two out of the last three games are against each other. So, we're hoping to be in the mix come uh, those battles. Um, July. July 4th in Clawson will be big, and then July 10th up in Flint as well. So we're going to take a quick break, get Luca back, and uh, talk about his experiences up in Lansing. Hello, welcome back. This is Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. We've run through uh, the scores for the weekend through the summer club leagues. We've congratulated the uh, Michigan High School Girls Regional Champions. And uh, we're here talking, myself and Brooks Lambeer are joined by um, MSU journalism student, and Lansing Commons play-by-play announcer, Luca Maloney. Welcome back. Hopefully the internet gods are back in our favor. Can you hear us, sir? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for, for letting me join back in. Uh, technical difficulties are always a problem nowadays. Yeah, and we brought it on ourselves. I asked you about how's the, the technical side of the streaming of soccer games going, and, and we went kaputs. But uh, um, you said that there, there's some great technical staff going on up at Lansing. Uh, what's your background? Do you have more of a, a journalism background, a sports background, soccer background? How did you uh, manage to get uh, 
this position? Yeah, so this all started when I started as a freshman at MSU. Um, obviously, I wanted to do soccer, cover soccer, and I went the journalism route. And initially, I just wanted to do writing, and I joined Impact WDBM 89FM for MSU's radio station. And from there, I started covering MSU men's and women's soccer, covering Damon Rensing's men's team. And it's been, it was an amazing experience. This was my this is my second year covering the men's and women's soccer team at MSU. And going into this summer, I wanted to find somewhere else to to write and create content for. And eventually, I found the Lansing Common FC position, which the club was just starting this year. And I, you know, I luckily fell into this route, and and I I don't regret it one bit because it's been an awesome experience so far in Lansing Common. So you said that you were covering uh, men's and women's. Was that was that soccer specific? You said. Yeah, soccer specific. I covered the entire season. I jumped into basketball a couple times, covering the men's team. But mainly just men's and women's soccer. Okay, so you're so you're pretty well versed in soccer. What what has been your uh, thought of the summer soccer experience so far? Pretty new. I mean, about a month or two in. Uh, what do you think of the play and the, the club and all that? Yeah, this t this club is just run so it's just so well run, down from the president all the way to the coaches. Everyone there is fr- is extremely friendly and extremely committed to giving soccer back to the city of Lansing. This t- this city hasn't been very lucky with how the soccer program professionally has gone. And really, this has been an exciting experience because they got a good group of guys together under c- Coach Josh Oakley, who was over at Spring Arbor University, brought his entire technical team and brought some players with him. And they've done an excellent job at recruiting and having a, just a wonderful stadium at Eastern High School to be able to put on a show for and give back to the community. Well, that's that's awesome. I, I talked to those guys like the week before their their opening game, and uh, they're coming from they were coming from a, from a dip, different standpoint of almost uh, fans that have have been wronged and then wanted to do it themselves the right way. So it's definitely coming at it from a different angle than a lot of the teams. A lot of the times, it's you know a coach who you know wants to give some players some chances. Or someone, or uh, you know, entrepreneur, entrepreneurial sort of a uh, 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 an angle to it. But they, they're seriously, <laughs> they they've lost enough teams, so they just instead of letting someone take it away from me, uh, let's build it uh, how we want. And I, I thought that seems to be uh, uh, true from from the inside, from what you're saying. Yeah, absolutely. These are the most down to earth people that you're going to meet running the club. Guys who simply, in one word, are so passionate about giving soccer back to the community just because they love the sport themselves. And their end goal is to promote Michigan's youth soccer. They want to be able to show guy, to show boys and girls that the, the path to pro and college soccer is possible no matter where you're from because these guys playing right now came from local high schools like Mason, Holt, Okemos just very local guys who are now becoming really well known in their colleges and now at Lansing common. And that's excellent. And, and, and that's one thing I really like about Oakland County FC too, is um, their, you know, gathering of the local talents and seeing someone from your area, uh, you know, push on to a higher level and really like follow their, 
their aspirations is pretty inspiring. Like, oh, you know, I that guy grew up in the same place I did or very a little close by. And, you know, he's chasing, you know, his passion. It's it's very empowering. It is. I mean, the stories of some of these players, you know, you're not going to hear a lot of their names going into college soccer, but coming into this team, they just all clicked. Again, we're talking about players from Western Michigan to a couple some Michigan State Spartans, some Kalamazoo, former Kalamazoo college players, just from all over the state. And they've really come together, click, and they're playing really not for anything but just pure passion and joy and to do something this summer with soccer. Coming back to kind of more your story, um, so you said you were just wanted to, to do some writing or whatever. Were you secretly wanted to do play-by-play and you thought writing was a good you know, stepping stone or was this kind of like a happy accident that you found uh, commentating? A little bit of both because I've always wanted to commentate games just because I grew up my whole life watching games on TV and seeing all of all the my all of my favorite broadcasters broadcast huge games and i've learned a little bit from that but i got into writing just because i love the sport and i love getting into the deep analytics of it but then i found this passion for broadcasting and really and i got to broadcast a couple times on the radio for impact 89 fm covering soccer but never for a live tv audience like we streaming audience like we like i'm doing now at lansing common and this has been a great experience for me, you know, in just a couple games, I've learned so much and have gotten so much more comfortable being on air and really commentating a game from a TV standpoint rather than radio. Yeah. So, so what's uh, been the biggest adjustment there that you, that you've noticed? It was a lot more of letting the game flow. I remember in the first game, my partner and I, Cameron McLaren, we were calling the game, but we were consistently calling players names, positions on the field. And th- these were things that we were used to doing as in a, in a radio background. And so since then, we've gotten a lot better at letting the game flow and being more narrating, knowing that the audience can see the game as well. And that's one thing that we've had to transition to that we weren't used to before. But it's gotten so much easier as we've now hit our fourth game tonight covering at home. So do you feel like totally gassed after uh, calling a game? Oh, absolutely. It's a lot of work because we're not just calling. We we were doing stand-up preview, on-camera previews before the game, and then getting ready for the game. It's writing down, taking a look at tonight's opponent was Inner Detroit. So we're taking a look at their players and their lineups, which come in pretty last minute. And then after the game, we're interviewing coaches, we're interviewing players. And when we come back home, we're both writing, we're both editing work, and really getting getting content out there for the club. That's awesome. So I appreciate you joining me on, on a game night. It sounds like you have uh, uh, lots of, lots of uh, responsibilities there and that's cool. That, uh, you're definitely getting uh, plenty of experience here, aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I love every single minute of it and especially now being able to come to you guys and, and talk about it with talk about my experience with you guys is awesome. And I'm really happy to be joining here with you guys. So, of the games that you've called, like what's has there been a, a standout moment that you've been happy with the call or, or something that you were really excited? Like what's been the moment on the on the field so far? Ah, I mean today we got our first the team got its first clean sheet. So that was a big that was a proud moment for the team in general because they've been struggling on the defensive end. And this is just a highly ta- talented attacking team. 
you know, you, you have guys like Eastern Illinois University forward Shetty Omar today bagged a hat trick. And, and okay. yeah, the, the crowd was electric. So that was the first time we got to call a lot of goals and really have a goal fest at as so you will. And it's been fun. It's been really fun. I can imagine. So if you, you, you had some people in the stands for a 4-0, a 4-0 game, that, that could be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The crowd was just electric. Yeah. Since since the first game, there's been a nice attendance. Well, that, that, that that's very, very, very good to hear. So with COVID being really weird and us being in like kind of a possible transition away from it period, what is uh, the plan looking for, like going to Michigan State in the fall? What, what what does that scenario look like? Is that in person? Is Are all the athletics, all systems go again? Or what does the fall look like for you? Well, as of la- the last half of what was the spring season last uh, this past year, this past season, they were playing half the games at DeMartin Stadium at home. The first half were played at Schoolcraft College in Livonia. And those were a little difficult just because it was a bit of a drive from Lansing and as well there wasn't there wasn't no pre- there was no press box or really any a- areas to sit so it was more getting a table having my computer out there and and live tweeting the game and then since we got back to DeMartin Stadium halfway through the season once the ground thawed we were able to we were able to call the ga- to call some radio games there and also right from the press box instead of being outside or in an indoor stadium and I think for so, coming this, and I think coming this fall, um, we're expected to have full capacity at, for all Michigan State athletics. So I, I know fans and coaches, players will all be happy. And so th- this will be going into your your junior year then. Yes. So you so your freshman year was, was a normal year at least at least the first half of it was. Yeah. No. The yeah, my first freshman year, especially covering soccer, was all completely normal. So, so that's got to be exciting. I know it was a mixed bag. I might have been naively excited for, that the, the summer league players would be like sharp because they had a, a competitive spring season, which they spring college soccer on the men's side is usually, um, you know, much more down like exhibitions and, and, and things like that. that they don't play the, the full competitive, you know, Big Ten seasons or anything like that. That's usually held in the fall, but. With everything mixed, mixed up, they they played uh, you know a quasi full season in the spring, and then they'll be playing another one in the fall. And I thought maybe they'd be sharper and better shape because the summer is usually where they do that. But they're all kind of you know a little bit tired. Or in com- some of the conversations I've had with players, they're a little bit tr- some trepidation because they're a little bit tired. They didn't get a huge break after that spring season, and then they have like a full on fall season looming ahead um is there any guys talking about that that there's just kind of almost they probably have soccer on their plates all the way until december now yeah uh you know some of these guys are going to go in from the spring season just like you said into some playing at the club level at during the summer and then they're going to transition immediately into a preseason preparing for most of them into a, a full college season in the fall and you know and then championships playoffs come the come the winter well i like to uh ask this question for uh from of uh passionate soccer people and you you seem like you have a uh, passion for the sport especially you you've probably seem like you've you've watched a lot of games what i like to ask uh what is your dream goal whether that's something you scored or you watched or something imaginary 
What is your dream goal, Luca Maloney? Best goal I can remember ever seeing for me was uh, AC Milan versus Manchester United, 2007, I believe. Kaká at Old Trafford, header past Vidic, uh, past Nemanja Vidic and Rio Ferdinand goes to go and goes straight to goal. One of the best goals I've ever seen in my life. All right, all right. You're not a Manchester United fan, are you? It's just like that. You just like that goal, right? Or uh, no, I no. guess uh, the other way around. So, so who are your teams? Who who did you grow up? So you obviously uh, you liked uh, that Milan goal. Who else do you like? Yeah, I grew up a Milan fan my entire life. I'm also a big Tottenham Hotspur fan in England. Been supporting them since I was like around seven. Oh boy! So, uh, so, so, so the Spurs and the Spartans. So, uh, you're you're, you're no stranger to a heartache, eh? Ah, uh, I'm no stranger to disappointment and heartache. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really looking forward to uh, all the coverage you bring to Michigan Soccer Central. Really enjoyed it. And and uh, good work on the Lansing Common Commentary and all the best for the rest of the season. I'm sure I'll talk to you again very soon. So thank you, everybody, for listening to another edition of Michigan Soccer Central. Thank you to uh, all the uh, contributors to MSC. Uh, one of the things... As a little segue, uh, appreciation, uh, now that we have this whole soccer thing up and running again, the appreciation for all the different people that it takes to make it happen, from the players, coaches, refs, linesmen, support staff, fans showing up, it's a lot of people, and without you know a couple of those key players or key people, you know it doesn't happen the same way, so... Big gratitude. Thank you for all the soccer people for making soccer happen. That's awesome. So everyone at Michigan Soccer Central, we actually want you to send in your voice. We're trying to get as many voices as possible. You know, I'm just, you know, Robert Kerr, host of the show, do random soccer things. We have, you know, a voice of a young commentator. And previously on the show, we have the voice of a pro soccer scout. And get yours in here, too. Send a uh, listener question. A game review or an insider memory to MI Soccer Central to all of the social channels, MI Soccer Central, or uh, the old fashioned email, the Michigan Soccer Central at gmail.com. We want to hear from as many Michigan soccer people as possible. So, for everyone at MSC, thank you, Brooks, for coming on earlier. Thank you, Luca, for coming on now. And for now, have a great week of soccer. Enjoy your time. Catch you next time.